0: Hi there, healers. My name is Dave of Dave of the Flames. I'm a Reiki teacher, life coach, and a clerk cognizant. I blend these energies so that I can help you be the healer that you are meant to be. You work hard at taking care of others? Heal the Healers is a podcast that will help you find ways to take care of yourself. Do you often find yourself tired, low on energy, and overcommitted because you can't say no? I want to give you the tools to make you stronger so that you can work smarter and help more people around the world. No matter what healing modality you do, this podcast is for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am so fortunate this week that I have um, an incredible guest, somebody that I'm just very pleased to have uh, on the show today. And... The, the biggest thing that I can say is I've been doing a lot of um, investigating into this topic over the last four or five months. So I came across her book and her book is called Tuning the Human Biofield, Healing with Vibrational Sound Therapy. And today I'd like to welcome uh, Eileen Day-McCusick. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you so much for being here.
1: You bet. Hi, Dave. Welcome. I'm so glad that you have me here.
0: You. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. You, you're you such an interesting person. I mean, just when I when I pulled up your book and I, I looked at it and I was going through it, um, you're a storyteller and a researcher. And, and like your book is full of stories as well as science, as well as facts um, and, and just all these different things. That, and, and I really like that. I, I respond very well to that because I like to have all sides of, of every story. And you talk about what things are. But not only are you an author, but you're also a researcher, you're a writer, you're an inventor, Um, you're actually a a, a working practitioner, Uh, you're a teacher, educator, speaker. I mean, how do you find time to to do all this and to balance it and and have a family? I mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing that a lot of healers are dealing with is like, how do you do it all?
1: (laughs) Well, for, for You could ask my children and my husband. <laughs> they would probably say that mom works all the time. Yes, but I, I really love what I do and and I do a lot of different things so I never get bored. Mm-hmm. I really just advanced on a lot of different fronts simultaneously. It's really ADD but sort of per, with perseverance. <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I love that. That's, that's really good. Um, I I've felt the same way, like as a healer, like a, a, I've, gotten, I've gotten into Reiki, I've gotten into crystal healing with crystals, um, you know, I've been learning a lot about a sound lately, um, you know, just energy healing in general, in a lot of ways, working with the R, working with chakras, I'm also a life coach, so I combine life, life coaching with Reiki, and then, um, I, you know, just I got some woo-woo in me, and I just, you know, know a lot of different things, and I don't know why I know them. So it, it's it's very interesting. Of people are like, well, what do you put on your business card? And I'm like, oh my god, I've got like six different cards at times. <laughs> so so finally this year I just narrowed it down. And it's like I help people find their life purpose, and I help I help them heal. You know, help help them figure out how to heal. You know, because yeah. it's not for me to heal them. It's, it's for them to figure out. You know, how to heal themselves. Um, sound has has been a big thing for me for years because I'm been one of those guys that listens to the the YouTubes of, uh, of panels of like self-interview frequencies. And, and I'll play it in the background while I'm doing work, you know, and I, I, you know, or I'll play it in my headphones while I sleep. Um, is, is that something that you have seen work with people or is it something that's a waste of time for people? Or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I do have a lot of healers that use YouTube for that.
1: I personally don't. And part of the reason for that is a big part of working with tuning forks, the aluminum tuning forks that I use. A tuning fork technically produces uh, an infinite number of overtones. So there's the overtones that we hear in the audible range, but then there's all of these overtones in the inaudible range as well. And it's through listening to the interactions between the vibrations being given off by the body and the, the very high and subtle overtones that that information is and there's a whole language of vibration that our body and really all of nature for example the when we feel fear the sound that it produces that you can hear in a tune fork, the sound of our vibes is the same for people and for animals and for plants So there's a universal vibrational language that's very pure you know we feel a particular emotion and we put a word on it but really it's a feeling it's a vibrational expression that we've just labeled Mm -hmm. and and so being so attuned to All of this depth of sound and spending you know at this point thousands and thousands of hours just listening very deeply to overtones and undertones makes digital files kind of flat to me and 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 i'm not really interested in i'm i'm an acoustic gal and uh, (laughs) i love that yeah
0: Uh, and and you you incorporate you started with singing right like you took singing lessons and and that, that's how you you kind of realized that you got into it is that is that how it happened?
1: Well, when I was twenty, I received very clear guidance. Uh, you know, I think we all have those moments where something mm-hmm. drops in and it's just got a different tone or vibe, and and it's commanding and it gives you a mission. Or I think kind of nudges you in a particular direction, right? And that was what this came to me and said that you need to learn how to sing. And I laughed because I had been the most non-musical participant in music class. I was the kid who was clapping on the off beat, singing off key and squeaking my clarinet and I never progressed beyond the squeak with my clarinet. So it seemed completely absurd <laughs> that I would be assigned this task of learning to sing. and um, But you know, the scene in Harry Potter where the letters are coming into the house. You see the Harry Potter, mm-hmm. person, right? and there's this, like coming in. <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened because I kept just missing the, the edict. And, and it just kept coming and coming and coming. It wouldn't leave me alone until the point I was like, okay, I'll go take a singing lesson. So, <laughs> so I did. And I, I went, and I, I'll never forget this experience of being at, in this music teacher's studio, and she's sitting at her piano and she's playing middle C and she's singing La, and she's trying to get me to just go La. And I had such an unbelievably um, well, um, an unexpected response to it. I felt like I had hands around my throat. I felt like um, I, I, like nothing would come out. My knees started knocking. My palms started sweating. My whole body started shaking. And after about fifteen minutes, I, I finally was like, ah! <laughs> and then I burst into tears. And this poor woman was just like, she <laughs> was not equipped. <laughs> so so that I left that lesson being like whoa like what is wrong with me that's really crazy that I can't even go law and and but I was told to do it and so I persevered and so over the course of seven years from age 20 to 27 I had seven voice teachers and the first five told me that I was tone deaf and that I would, I just would never be able to learn how to sing. They were like, sorry, you're a hopeless case. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and, and I would leave these sessions in tears. I remember one of my voice teachers said to me when she's like, somebody must have done something to you as a child.
2: Oh you know? my God.
1: Yeah. And well, <laughs> she was right. I mean, you know, after many years of healing and peeling back layers and all this it's sort yeah. of just like whoa okay that happened I kind of get why I am having a hard time you know being vulnerable and being in my body and and you know experiencing the joyful freedom of a free voice I didn't have it at all like my voice had been stolen from me and I didn't even know it and and I also, because of the trauma, and I didn't have a ton of trauma, you know. And I mean, I think I kind of experienced garden variety trauma growing up as the youngest of six. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a stable home. My parents were loving, but I had a, five older siblings, all of whom were mean to me and picked on me and teased me and tickled me and camel bites and Indian rope burn and sarcasm <laughs> and meanness and you know not an ally in the crew. And it and it made me you know really kind of hunker hunker down and. What I discovered, so some interesting things happened. I kept persisting. You know, there's a there's a saying that if you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. And I really felt like it's the birthright of every human to be able to sing. And so I just kept on being like, next, next, <laughs> and next. You know, I'm going to find somebody who's going <laughs> to help me break through this. And uh, when I got to my sixth teacher she was a she was a good teacher but i also started doing yoga and then i got Rolf. are you familiar with rolfing it's
0: oh um uh, is that like the, the scraping
1: it's a it's kind of it's a it's a form of body work that was invented by a woman named ida rolf it's also called structural integration and it's a process of releasing the fascia, the idea that it's the bindings in fascia due to trauma, you know, postural imbalances that stop the muscles and the bones and everything from working properly. And so the combination of doing yoga and, and getting this very deep and actually quite painful body work was that I started to like re-enter my body. Wow. Because because trauma really makes us leave our body. There's this whole experience mm-hmm. of just disassociation, kind of just going up and out. And mm-hmm. and that is what I did. And that's what so many people do and what so many people look for healing from, to, to get back into their body, to feel whole again, to be here now, fully present as yourself and be comfortable in that expression, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. very powerful to do that.
1: Yeah. And so, so as I, as I started to relax and discover how bound up I was and my kidneys actually started to relax. Now in, in Chinese medicine, we know that the liver, a lot of us know the liver connects to the eyes and you can tell a lot, like if somebody has a liver problem, you see it in the eyes. Well, the kidneys connect to the ears. And so if we've had a lot of shock and trauma, our kidneys have a lot of noise in them you know, if our adrenals are cranked, if, you know, anybody who's really had any kind of trauma, there's so much noise there and so much tension that it distorts the signal. It distorts the whole faculty of hearing and receiving and processing information. So when somebody sang to me, blah, I I didn't, I couldn't hear it Mm -hmm. because there was too much noise in my own signal. And so as my own signal started to clarify and that's when I picked up tuning forks in 1996 and i and i had the c major scale so what i did was i would activate c and i would press it against this part of my ear and i'd be like M-a. and that's how i taught myself the scale through oh, wow. through vibrating it through becoming familiar with how the vibration felt matching it with a hum and then opening my mouth and turning it into a note so i cured myself of my tone deafness. And by the time I got to my seventh, I mean, I guess I really did. It wasn't really my voice teacher. It was these practices that I engaged in. And she was just a good person to go through that with. And when I got to my seventh teacher, she said, you can hear and sing fine. So, yeah. So I overcame tone deafness. (laughs)
0: That's so awesome. And and then for you to overcome it and then become the researcher and inventor, and using it to help heal others—that that, that is just—it's it, such an amazing journey. Uh, I like what you said. How you bought the—you bought them—you um, saw them and online, and you just bought them on a whim. And and for me, again, like you're trusting your God, or you're listening. You're, you're listening to your mailbox, you, you yeah. know. And 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 coming out, and, and it, it was just—it was really uh, fascinating that you did that because so many times in, in my own life, and I think. Healers that I've worked with in the past, and healers who are listening today, you you just you get this itch to do something, and you're not sure why. You know, like like you said with singing and and all these things. And when you follow that, you're going to end up with a blockage, or you're going to end up with a wall in front of you. But just keep persevering, and your story of how you went through those teachers mm-hmm. is 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 so inspiring um, because that that literally is what we all need to do. Because there are so many times I think you you said it in your book where. I think you were talking about your son. He's like, you know, are are you a sound healer or a physicist? You know, you know, <laughs> you know and then I love I love the cosmological storyteller. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was brilliant. And 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 he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna tell people you're a physicist. <laughs> and I really I mean I, I, like, I like laughed out loud at that because that, that was just really funny. Um but that that's the truth now. Like when I when I go to people and say I'm a life coach, they're like, oh cool, you know, welcome, let's talk when i say i'm a reiki teacher or that i use crystals they're like "Eh, you're just a little odd you know so it, it, it's so weird but but when i incorporate all three into my practice and in my healing um yeah i have dramatic results and, and people are like why are you so good and it's like i can't explain i just know that what i do work and i can do it either in person or or in, in at a distance over zoom or whatever and it, it has the same effect but with with you, with your tuning forks, I've gotten to experience tuning forks lately because I, I'm working with a local um, sound healer and um, two of them actually, and both of them use the, the regular tuning forks and the weighted tuning forks. And holy cow, the weighted tuning forks, when, when they're applied to certain chakras, the, the feeling is, is incredible. And you talk about that in your book. Could you, could you kind of let our listeners know what that does now? Like to, to use a weighted tuning fork mm-hmm. on your body?
1: Sure. Well, what it is, is it's kind of like a metronome. It's, it's, a, it's a dependable, coherent, steady vibration. And it's also a mechanical input. So it's, in, it's imparting mechanical energy. Now your body is mostly water. And the way that we, we tend to receive sound, like the ear turns it into electricity. But I, I get the sense that our body does too, that as this mechanical vibrating energy is coming in, it's actually has an, it creates an electrical phenomenon in the body as well. And so coherent mechanical energy going into your body, like that's a beneficial input. That's like eating an orange, you know, your body's like, mm, this is good. I like this. And it, it, it does a number of things. It, it enables you to just become really present in your body. Like if you put it on your sternum, all of a sudden you're like, wow, that that's my sternum and it's vibrating. So it will immediately take you out of thinking mind and into feeling body. And everybody needs to do that more because we have an epidemic of overthinking minds and underfeeling bodies.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the truth.
1: <laughs> so it also is a feedback loop for your body. So when I, Put a tuning fork on me. Like, if I've got a little bit of a headache and I put the tuning fork there, like if I put it here where I don't have a headache, it'll be like, brrr. but if I put it here where I do have a headache, it'll be like, brrr, brrr, brrr. <laughs> I'll just be, be off rhythm. And the body, it goes, Wow, that doesn't sound right there. And the body will use that like a metronome to adjust its own rhythm so that it's getting a coherent signal back. Wow. So it's an opportunity for the body to organize its own rhythms. And and what are we but a collection of rhythms? We've got our heart rhythm, our breathing rhythm, our brain rhythms, our digestive rhythms, our muscular rhythms. Like everything is rhythmic. Every organ has its own groove. And when everything is groovy and in its right rhythm, then we're making music. We're enjoying life. We're healthy. We're playful. We're lighthearted but what happens is we're just like musical instruments we take hits as we go through life we get exposed to lots of bad sounds and lies and abuse and shit piled <laughs> on, up, wet blankets and, and all kinds of non-beneficial inputs that make our liver be all like grumbly and our heart be all freaking out and our gallbladder falling apart. They're, they're off rhythm. They're out of tune. They, they've taken hits and nobody's come along and tuned them. Mm-hmm. And just like you tune instruments with a tuning fork, the human body is a self-tuning instrument that will tune itself to a tuning fork, whether it hears it or whether it feels it on the body. It uses that coherence to create its own coherence.
0: Wow. And, and that's the thing, is there are two different kinds of tuning forks. The weighted ones are the ones that you would touch someone with. And then mm-hmm. the, the, the unweighted ones are the ones that you hold over the body. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Generally, yeah. although
1: I will say that we we do use the weighted forks in the field mm-hmm. around the body as well. Okay. you can feel areas of turbulence. You don't hear the tonal change. And not everybody hears tonal changes when they first start working with forks. Mm-hmm. I, found that, I found that I heard the changes. And so when I started teaching, I was directing people towards hearing. But what I learned over the time of teaching was that actually more people are kinesthetic and there would be more inclined to feel the change in their fingertips before they would hear it with their ears. So when you're moving a vibrating tuning fork through the atmosphere of the human body, there's a whole weather climate there. There are low pressure systems and high pressure systems and traffic jams. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the magnetic field around the body, which is a reflection of what is taking place electrically within the body. The electric currents that are flowing through the body, the magnetic field around the body are completely related. So in biofield tuning, what we're doing is we're adjusting the way electricity is flowing through the body, the patterns, the rhythms, the speeds, and we are manipulating that through the magnetic field. So the tuning fork acts like both a metronome and a magnet where we will find an area of turbulence and stickiness and stay there. And the body hears and feels and senses that it's out of tune in that spot. And so all we need to do is hold the tuning fork there, keep the person aware of what's going on in their body. And at some point this big breath comes and people relax and release. And that stuck turbulent area has settled down. It doesn't, the fork doesn't sound wonky anymore. It doesn't feel sticky. And we're able to take the energy that was trapped in a pattern, a frozen pattern in that part of our field and our body and we're able to bring it back into midline, into the central channel of the body's electrical system and and reintegrate it just back into circulation and into flow. And that's the state of health when we're in a state of flow and we're in tune. So this is what we seek to do is to get the noise, the static and the resistance out of the electrical system. And, and a tuning fork is a beautiful, simple instrument to do that with.
0: Wow. Um, one thing I've also noticed is that some sound healers will use like the crystal bowls or the metal bowls. Um, have you used those in the past or do you, do you know anything about, or like, would you recommend them as well or?
1: Well, the thing about crystal bowls is that they're bulky and that they're expensive. They're yeah. not easy to transport. Like,
0: they're, they're like $300 a piece some of them. Or
1: they can be more, you know, they can definitely be even more than that. And mm-hmm. so... If you're the kind of person who doesn't break things and isn't a tumbleweed, then and then they can be wonderful. You know, the lying and having a sound bath of bowls can be so transportive and relaxing and wonderful. Um for me personally, uh I'm a rolling stone. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm not. And I'm terrified of breaking things like that. I little clumsy sometimes. So (laughs) so they don't work for me. Uh, I I like my tuning forks because I can carry them in my purse. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I can whip them out anywhere and use them. I can be hanging out with somebody who's got at the, you know, top of the pain scale in their shoulder. And I'm like, whip out my tuning forks and I can take them down to a one or a zero in 15 or 20 minutes with these tools that I carry around in my purse. Wow. So... For me, the simplicity of just having a small toolkit of, of useful tools um, really outweighs the beauty and the transportiveness of, it, of having bowls. They're just burdens. Okay. Um, you know, I don't, I, I over the years I had so many of my students and clients try to give me all these different rocks and stones and crystals, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I only had this office for a little while. I was sharing and here and there. And then I'm traveling and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not going to haul a box of rock around with me. I'm just not. <laughs>
0: so you are a minimalist. I love that. <laughs> a, a, heal, a healer on the go. <laughs>
1: yeah. That forks will travel.
0: <laughs> now, now one thing you did um, is you, and, and I don't know the story for this, but you used forks and then you realized that you needed better forks so you invented forks didn't you was that?
1: yeah yeah i I did tell us about that so i went through this interesting experience when when i started working out in the field because because for 10 years i did it as a hobby i just worked over the body and then in 2006 i discovered phenomena around the body and i started I developed the the fundamental practice of biofield tuning which is this field combing process where we started the outer boundary which is about six feet away and we comb in scanning for distortion and resistance and then when you find it you stay there with it until it resolves. Well what ended up happening was this process of like getting into this heavy distortion at the outer end of the field started started wearing out my tuning forks like the the fork the first one it happened, um, I don't, I don't know. I'd had it for maybe six months or so. And uh, all of a sudden um, the 174 Hertz, the one I was using the most, it developed a buzz. And, and, and so they replaced it for free, (laughs) but then after like another six months or so, it developed a buzz again. And the manufacturer basically said to me, our forks are not designed to be used the way that you're using them. It's putting too much stress on the metal. It's not just, you know, making 174 hertz. It's making 174 hertz distorted like crazy. <laughs> and this distortion that, you're, that the fork is sounding is creating a micro these micro cracks in the metal. You know, just like guitar strings lose their integrity over time. That's what was happening with the forks. And so I kind of got a rhythm of replacing it every six months. But then when I was working on my book, uh, Tuning the Human biofilm, my first book, it was a time in my life when I was trying to write the book. I was seeing clients. I was being a mom and my yeah. husband was working quite a lot. And my kids were like, I don't know, 12 and nine. And, yeah. um, and I was also teaching classes. So I was trying to do it all. And... I went through this really interesting experience right after December, uh, right after December 21st, 2012, interestingly enough, um, where all of a sudden a fork lasted only three months. And then the next one lasted only like one month. And then I went through this period where two weeks, one week, and then I got to the point where every time I picked up a new fork, it blew. In fact, I would teach a class and I'd be like, I don't have a fork that works. Can I borrow yours? And I'd we like, no, <laughs> you're a fork killer. Like, you can't touch my fork.
0: i say was, that about my mother-in-law and her iPhone. <laughs> uh, wow.
1: Yeah, it was so strange. But what was really interesting was the situation forced me to stop seeing clients. Like it wasn't, if I was blowing a fork every time I picked one up, it wasn't financially like right.
2: what to do.
1: And, and it, it forced me to sit down, look at my calendar and be like, okay, between teaching these classes and this tiny advance I got for the book, I can actually take time off from my practice in order to write my book. And that's what it took. Because if I had tried to continue doing my practice, I never would have gotten the book written. It just wouldn't have happened. So, but it also revealed to me that something needed to be done about the forks. And so I ended up working with MetaVibe, and he created a whole bunch of different prototypes and different gauges and different alloys. And I used every single one of them and we finally found it. And it took two years, but we finally found the right alloy that was soft enough and, and yet flexible enough that it would hold up to this process. And, uh, and so that's what we sell and they are twice as expensive as ordinary forks, but there's a huge difference in sound quality. Like when it comes to tuning forks, you really get what you pay for, as far as quality goes. I have had students come to class with other manufacturers, 174. We had one student whose fork blew in her practice session during class. Like it started off sounding good, she got into an area of distortion, and then and next time she struck it, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it just lost it. So, and I actually ordered a 432 hertz fork from another manufacturer, and because I I just wanted to. Listen to it and play with it, and I struck it a couple times, and it was just garbage. It, it didn't produce a nice, clear, bright tone. Like my forks, when you strike them against a hockey puck, they're clear, bright, loud, ring for a long time. Like they're high quality sound therapy tools. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and if you go buy some ten dollar fork off of Amazon, you are totally wasting your time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree with that. That you know, if, if you are going to be a healer, if you want if you want like to pursue sound healing uh, as, as a vocation, you do, you do get what you pay for and you, you need to invest in quality products in order to help your clients. You, you teach classes as well. Um, how long are your classes?
1: Well, I started teaching in 2010, my first group of students. Now, I was in college, and working on my master's in education degree, and I wanted to wait until I graduated and had my master's in education before I started teaching. But I had a group of um, friends and clients who really wanted to learn, and they sort of bullied me into starting <laughs> teaching. Yeah. And um, and that was a wonderful experience. Actually, we we met for some time, and because I didn't know if other people could learn it, and one of my brothers said to me, "He's like, can you teach what you do?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "I don't know, because what I do is really weird. <laughs> like I read yeah. people's lives with <laughs> forks. Like I don't know if anybody else can do it." <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I discovered that yeah, uh, people can learn it, and we, you know, we've trained thousands of people at this point. At one point, I think it was 2018, it just sort of became mathematically impossible for me to teach in our certification program. So I have a team of 15 teachers at the moment, Mm -hmm. and they teach the certification program. For the last couple of years, I was teaching the advanced modules. And, And in 2020, I was only able to teach one of those. And we actually brought our training program online. You know people asked me for years can you teach this virtually and I was always like no we need the in-person vibe of class and not doing it virtually and so when COVID came I sat down with my team and I was like so do we believe it's possible to teach this online and they were like well let's find out and so they went off and tried teaching people family members <laughs> and stuff virtually and they came back and they're like yeah actually we can teach it online wow and so so we developed a curriculum it's a two part training and um, 30 hours and then like 30 something hours and we've got the first part is online and we've been training people in and, and it's been fabulous so people are we actually discovered in making videos you know part of the class is videos that you watch at home and then there's classroom time and one on one you know zoom time with the instructor and wow. the people are actually learning it better because they have the videos to go back to. They get to watch the video and then come talk about it in class and ask questions. So we feel like we're actually producing better trained students now through that, you know, being forced to pivot and create this than, than what people were learning before. So we're going to combine the two in the future. <laughs> and better. But, um, and then now we just started work this week on getting part two underway. So we'll be offering that in 2021. So people will be able to become fully certified in biofield tuning online, which is exciting because you know it really opens up uh, the market to a lot of people who wouldn't have been able to make it to a class.
0: Yeah, th- that, I think that's what's the goal. That's one of the things that 2020 has definitely shown um, a lot of people. Like, like for me, when February hit, Everything I did, Reiki, my life coaching, um, my crystal healing, everything was all in person. And also the quarantine, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> where'd my business go? <laughs> I worked hard on this. So I had to pivot uh, and I had to rethink a lot of things, redo a lot of things. Uh, had to learn Zoom. Oh my God, that was like a nightmare in the beginning with everything. I'm trying to get the right microphone. Again, you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah,
2: if you're, if
0: you're going to do a freaking podcast, buy an expensive microphone because it will save you so much drama <laughs> um, but it, and it's the same with a tuning fork if you're going to do sound healing buy the right tuning fork um one thing that that stood out of, of, about you in your book is the the amount of science that, that you put into it so i always felt like well how do i know this works and, and you led with it and, and i love how you do the webster's definition of things because i i'm really big on that like for me for me it's like you know I'm in digital time and you're like well the Webster's definition of this is and and you start some of your chapters with that uh and that was good but the one thing that stuck out to me uh that I really like that I kind of believe in is like the regeneration ability of sound uh, of what it can do for you know your aura but but your cells and and things with your body can can you talk a little bit about the the regenerative properties of sound healing well
1: The work of Fritz Albert Pop, he has uh, done a tremendous amount of research on the biophotons and this idea that we have an electric body and mm-hmm. and it is electromagnetically connected and informed. We're taught about chemical reactions and we think everything happens in this sort of chemical way, uh, but there's a whole electromagnetic network underneath and everything happens in light speed communication of light being absorbed and emitted by cells, by DNA. It's all, it's all like speed of light, instant information transfer. And what Fritz Albert Popp discovered was that organisms under stress leak light. They, they give off more photons and they have photon cameras and counters that can actually detect how much light is being leaked. And so if you put a meditator who's in a state of energy conservation in front of a photon camera, they're actually giving off very little light. They're conserving light. Um, But if you put somebody who was, you know, just had a little car accident and some kind of kerfuffle in front of it, you'll see they're just shedding light all over the place. And so when I read that, It made sense to me that when I'm combing through the field and I encounter resistance, and I discover that this particular zone that I've intersected is part of our memory bank. So just to explain that, um, we're taught that our memories live in our brain. But the fact of the matter is, is that every single experience we have, everything we see, smell, touch, taste, everything we feel, everything, is processed to the body as an electromagnetic signal. So really all of our memories are stored in our body's electrical system. Now we see the body's electrical system as a torus. Anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it and magnetic fields take this torus shape. So the the torus of the human biofield extends about six feet on either side of us, two to three feet on the top and bottom. And what I've observed is that our memories appear to be stored magnetically in standing waves within this system. And my work has been to actually map this field and discover that it has a very specific anatomy and physiology, and that different memories are stored in different areas in the field. So, if you had your tonsils out when you were five, I know exactly where that memory is stored in your field. I you can stick a fork right in it.
0: Wow, that that that's just that's amazing. I was having a, a sound healing done one time, and my eyes are closed. I was on the table. Um, she had crystals on me, and all of a sudden, um, I felt this like excruciating pain in my chest, um, and. I just happened to open my eyes. And, and I didn't know where she was in conjunction with the room because there was all this going on. Um, and she literally, she had the tuning fork right above that area. And I'm like, it's startled. And she startled because I jerked and, and she's like, I said, what did you do? <laughs> and and she says, and, and she's very woo woo and, and, and she gets deep into the clairvoyance, clair medium and different things. Like she, she says, Dave i i don't know the way to say this where you, i don't sound like a complete um quack but literally i just like got this visualization of this knife in your chest like from a previous life where you were killed by it and when i put the tuning fork over you had trauma and it literally like the knife just shot out of your body and went into the sky and she was like a little bit shaken too she said it was very visual to me like feeling it and seeing it and then you had a physical response right at the same time. She's like, you scared the heck out of me. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was very real. It was very like that pain was, was so dramatic. Yeah. And it was just by having that tuning fork, like like right in that area. Yeah.
1: Well, we call those etheric artifacts. And I pulled out quite a lot of them myself. I've pulled javelins <laughs> out of knees and stakes out of backs and uh, nooses off of necks and chains off of ankles. Whether they were an occurrence in, to our ancestors and live in our genetic memory, or whether your soul had that experience in a previous life, the fact of the matter is, is that on a certain level of perception, those things are real. And they can, and there's something about the subtlety of the sound that reveals them. I mean, think about how ultrasound reveals the baby inside, Mm -hmm. right? That's magical. So why wouldn't the subtlety of sound reveal these etheric artifacts that are somehow embedded into the organism? They're present, they're there. There's nothing woo-woo about it. It's it's vibrational information that is present.
0: That, that that's amazing i'm gonna after i get done i'm gonna call her and tell her what we talked about he
1: <laughs> like,
0: said you're not the only one <laughs> what's uh what's in the future for you like i know you you said you're gonna be module two but are, are you planning on doing a second book or are you what do you have going on oh gosh like... do
1: you not know about my second book
0: i, I don't i'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't have a copy handy, or i'll show you uh, it's oh. called Electric Body, Electric Health, and it comes out on January 26th.
0: Oh, wow. Electric Body, Electric Health. And and what can we expect from that?
1: Well, what working with the tuning forks really revealed to me was this electrical system in its entirety of the human body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we tend to think of our, oh, like maybe our nervous system is electrical. And maybe our, our heart is people, a lot of people know that. Again, EKG, it's electrical activity. Oh, yeah, my brain waves are electric. Oh, wait, my bones are actually piezoelectric crystalline <laughs> structures. Oh, my blood carries a charge. Oh, wait, fascia <laughs> transfers electric energy. And all of a sudden, you realize that the whole body is electric, that there's this whole electrical system in its entirety. And that it's when the electrical system is present and it's on you're alive and when the electrical system goes out you're dead (laughs) and it's like the most primary system we've got and nobody talks about it it's a forest for the trees thing
2: wow so
1: (laughs) so that led me to like understanding that if our electrical system is out of order our body goes out of order and if we put our electrical system in order, where we remove, the, like, you start to ask me about the light, right? I started talking about biophotons and how we leak light. So when I'm combing through the field, I'm finding this light, this life force that you left behind, that in that traumatic experience, pff, you know how people can go gray overnight, that you just, pff, just blew out a whole lot of light. But wow. you did blow it out into the into the environment you blew it out into your own biofield you blew it out of your central channel out of your body and into your field and now it's in your memory banks and so we can literally go back in time combing through your memory banks find all these places where you lost all this light pick it up with the tuning fork and bring it back wow. into circulation and so. That's what so. That?
0: That's so powerful, too.
1: Yeah, it's like sonic soul retrieval. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: exactly what i Because I work with shamans, and I've had two soul <laughs> retrievals. I've had two soul retrievals, and the soul retrievals that I've had have changed my life dramatically.
1: Yes. And it is the exact same thing, you know, in shamanism, you have a trauma, a part of you breaks off, gets left behind. The shaman goes into that altered state and finds it and brings it back and they either like blow it or place it back in the body. The tuning fork we come in and we like drop it, the body like (laughs) sucks it up. And so if our battery is low, if our light is dim, because of the entropy of our life and all of these hits that we've taken. Like that's aging, this sort of loss of light over time. Kids are so light, and bright, and full of radiance and aliveness. And then as adults, it gets scattered and lost and left behind. And so in biofield tuning, we bring it back. So it has this centropic kind of anti-aging. Uh, process of putting us back in order and bringing the light back and bringing that inner wattage that lumen that radiance back into our being that youthfulness so that's been my experience of receiving sessions you know all of these years that I just keep Mm -hmm. getting lighter and freer and stronger and healthier and uh and younger in fact I just took I have a heart rate variability system and it had been in a closet and I took it out and I did a scan and then I hadn't done a scan for almost two years. And when I did the scan last time I was 50 and it said that my biological age was 35. So I was 15 years younger when I did it this time at 52, it said my biological age was 32. My biological age is now 20 years younger than it was two years ago because wow. I have been taking care of my electric health. And I'll tell you what, like I eat cheese and bread and beer. And, you know, I'm not sitting around <laughs> eating avocados and. Right. You know, <laughs> I love that you're living. I'm yeah. living my life and I'm enjoying. I, I'm what I call a moderate hedonist. Mm-hmm. And, and that is if you make most of what you do good and healthy, then you can do a portion of like pick your poison and right. enjoy it. <laughs> so yeah. it can't be too good or too pure in this world. The environment's too toxic. You have to have some poison in you, but yeah. you also have to offset that with mostly, ideally, living food that has light in it, that has mm-hmm. electric juice that is living. Like that, that is the most important thing that it has light and life force.
0: I, I, I love that. Um, and, and that's why I, I tend to eat a lot of fruit, um, just because of that having that light and that life force, that energy um with with a lot of things and and like you said just all for me it's like all things in balance like i'm doing a a series right now just on balance of of, you know you have to be balanced in a lot of ways and that's exactly what you're saying you can because the world is so toxic in some ways you just you have to figure out how to have that balance because it's hard to live and just be this purification thing and it's i've met people like that it's it's too much it's you spend so much time doing that that you can't live (laughs)
1: yeah i think that I think that pleasure is really important. I I have a colleague who posits that, that life evolved in pursuit of pleasure. We're, you know, we learn while we move away from pain and towards pleasure. And the human body is designed for all kinds of pleasure. We can feast our eyes on beauty. We can smell roses. We can taste chocolate. We can have sex and hugs. And there's so many ways that our bodies can enjoy pleasure. And I think when people try to be too ascetic or too pure or too good or whatever, they miss out on, on the pleasure. And it's funny because I said to a friend of mine. This theory that life evolved in pursuit of pleasure. And she took offense to it. there's always people who are like, oh, like some kind <laughs> yeah, of your awesome. sensibilities or something. And she, <laughs> she said to me, well, what about the bliss of the union with the divine? And I was like, Well, that sounds pretty pleasurable to me. I mean, like, why are you separating that out from chocolate? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs>
0: The uh, the other part of your book that I liked was um, I I'm really big on self love um, and boundaries and things like that and, and you have a, a chapter with asking for help and what it means to be able to say no to people as a healer that's probably one of the biggest things that we don't we don't know personal boundaries we don't know how to say no especially when we're first starting out an, an empath is feeling all these different emotions they don't know what's theirs they they know that when someone says wow because of you my life is different it makes them feel good so they just keep overextending themselves. You talk about the importance of saying no and having boundaries and, and, and caring for yourself. Uh, have you found that you have better success with your clients, with their healing when they when they understand this?
1: Yes. I mean, it's a big, hard lesson for a lot of people. Yeah, it's not
0: something you learn in, in one masterclass.
1: <laughs> no, you, you really don't. It, it's something you really have to learn the hard way. I grew up with a mom who was a martyr, you know, who did everything herself, who wasn't good at asking for help. When she did ask for help, she asked in all the wrong ways. My <laughs> <and were effective. laughs> mom taught me a lot about how not to <laughs> um, be. But, but, but before, but I actually did become that, you know, I became, I was a mother, I was in school, I was a healer. I was taking care of everybody else's needs and my own needs weren't getting met. My own health started to suffer. And that's hypocritical. <laughs> be be a wellness provider and to not be doing self-care but I think I think setting boundaries saying no having a a good sense of all of that is not intuitive in our culture (laughs) and you know maybe it is for some people but when you're sensitive and you can feel other people's feelings you tend to feel responsible for other people's feelings And and then you get into that helper, accommodator, caretaker role, and your own needs just get put at the bottom. And, you know, I learned how to flip that around so that I learned how to put my own self-care first and say no and all of those things. But it was a long, messy process. Yeah. (laughs) figuring it out and now i'm really good at it you know now i know when no is no i know how to communicate that i you know it's all easy now but it Mm -hmm. it was a sticky mess extracting (laughs) from that habit
0: it it really is and if you're listening today and and that is one thing that you struggle with is definitely that thing no just know don't beat yourself up because you're not gonna be able to fix it tomorrow it's like you said we have to it's a long sticky mess and you know, I think both of us, I mean, we're both the same age and we're both Libras. So, <laughs> so it, you know, so we look for that balance in life and it's hard to find balance when you're a people pleaser. Uh, I'm less of a people pleaser now uh, than I used to be dramatically. And I, I definitely have boundaries. I definitely say no, because for me, once I developed self-love, self-respect, and self-confidence, um, then, then that self-respect and those boundaries came in. And, you know, I never want to diminish anyone by saying no. So I'm very assertive in that regard to where it's like, no, this isn't, this isn't right for me. It, it doesn't feel good for me, so I'm not going to do it. But I wish you success in what you do. I never make anyone feel bad by saying no to them. But I will definitely say no because I need to take care of myself first because the only way that I'm going to be a strong healer is if I'm strong. Um, and I don't come in and I heal you. What I do is I teach you how to heal. And I think that that's a, a big thing, too, with, with you is you're teaching people how to understand their bodies and understand how sound works with it. And, uh, it, this is a, something that not a lot of people know or they, they don't talk about. And the fact that you've taught in 10 years, like what, 2,000 students in the last 10 years?
1: 2010 was when I started teaching, yeah. So yeah. last 11 years. And i have yeah. talking, these very small classes, you know, very small, very intimate, hands-on classes. And then I started training teachers and then my teachers train teachers. and that, that, so. That's
0: awesome. It, it's definitely, you're having such a, a positive impact on the world. And, and I just, I want to say, i'm very grateful that, that you you came on the show today and i'm very grateful for what you do because with my mom having cancer that has led me into some different types of therapies because she lives with me and i take care of her so we're doing a bunch of different things to try and help because you know when you mentioned shoulder pain earlier my mom has just in constant shoulder pain um all, all the time because of the, the 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 cancer and the chemo and everything so we're just, we're struggling daily. So I come home with different things and she's like, I'll try it, I'll try it. <laughs> I'll try anything. You know, because she just wants the pain to stop. So it, it uh, so for what you do, I just, I, I, I want to thank you on behalf of the world because you're making a difference and you're making a difference to healers. And, and this podcast is all about helping healers. I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to put information about your book. Uh, also, if uh, your upcoming book, I'd love to put the information about that if you're doing pre-orders for it. Uh, and then some information about your classes. I'll make sure to include that in your contact info in our show notes, uh, if you're listening today. Um, if you have any questions about this, you can, can reach out to, to either one of us. Um, you know, please, please do. Uh, my, my information is always in there. And I just want to thank you so much for being here today. It, it really yep. means a lot.
1: My pleasure, Dave.
0: Great. Well, thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you guys next week.